to see you. I want to see you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What could there be a, a, a more appropriate song? I want to see him. I want to see you. Well, I mean, it's by revelation. God has given us such a wonderful thing of revelation. We might just talk about that a little bit tonight, revelation. Uh, we'll just go ahead and get right straight into the lesson while you're standing. And we turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis 17. And we're going to read the verse, 10 verses. But before we read the actual scripture, if they'll put this first quote up, I want to read these two quotes because this will be the actual foundation for the whole lesson tonight. And actually, this is the foundation for every lesson every night. Now, I say this with love and respect. If you don't want to hear about Jesus Christ, you, you're, you can just go ahead and leave now because that's what we're going to talk about. Amen. He's the center, the focus. He's the theme. He's everything. Yes, sir. I mean, all the other things is, is, is all fine, but we're going to talk about Him. Praise the Lord. He is the principal theme of the entire Bible. If you read the Bible and don't see Christ in every verse of it, go back and read it again. If you can't see Christ in every verse of the Bible, then you read it again because you missed something. The Bible is Christ. He is the Word. When you read in the beginning, uh, God created, there is Christ. See, from that to the amen and revelations, it's every word testifying of Jesus Christ. Again, he is its principal theme. Now, this is out of the Christ. I love the, even the title of the message is to take it from. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He is a principal theme. He was in the prophets. He was in the Psalms. He was in the history of the Bible. The Bible is a prophetic book. It's a historical book. It's a book of love. It's a book of songs. It's a book of life. And in there you find Christ. He was in the prophets. He was in the Psalms. He was in the history. And he also in the Bible is the things that is to come. So he was before and till after. What does that make him? The same yesterday today and forever. Amen. <laughs> oh, I just love that. And I'm going to read a lot of quotes. If you don't want to read quotes, you're dismissed. You don't like to hear, some people don't like to hear quotes. This, this, this message, this is, this is our food. We're not feeding on the man, we're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Let's read in Genesis 17, first 10 verses, and we'll let you be seated. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the mighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will make thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. He's talking to Abraham right now. He said he's already made thee a father of the nations. In the mind of God, he already was. Amen. Speaking prophetically. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make 
nations of thee and kings that shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and, now here's the promise, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, I was trying not to emphasize that, but you call it already. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, that's already seven times. Verse 9, And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed in their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. Okay, four times thy seed after thee. Uh, let's pray and we'll let you be seated and then we'll finish reading the Scriptures. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We live in such a, a dark, dismal day. I think about when the prophet of God told us that when he drew out them church ages on the wall there, that there was no light given for Laodicea, but the Holy Spirit permitted him to draw a little bit of light in there just for the bride. So, Lord, we believe that that fulfills our scripture in the evening time, it shall be light. And you permitted it, and you ordained it, even though we're living in a dark, black generation, dismal day, Laodicea, let the bride, she has, she's in Goshen. We thank you for that. Lord, anoint uh, your servant to speak, anoint the people to hear, and may we say it truly has been, will be, have been good to be in the house of God when we leave, and we'll give you praise for it, for we ask in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, in the... Scripture that we have already read. Did it catch that? Okay. Did you notice anywhere, asking a question, did you notice anywhere where God is asking Abram, now Abraham, I'm telling you about this covenant. I will do this and so forth and so on. Did he anywhere ask Abram, now what is your opinion and what is your response to this covenant? None? Well, when you, when you look at this, I will, I will, I will. Of course, it reminds me of Satan. He's just an impersonator and perverting over there into the 14th chapter. Of, I believe it's in Isaiah. And, of course, the, uh, Satan, he can only impersonate. He said the same thing. I will be exalted above the Most High. I will be like the Most High. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> God fulfills his, brings it to pass. Satan can't. Amen. But he tries. But greater is he that's with us than he that's in the world. Finishing out this 17, 11 down through 14. Now, we've already talked about what the covenant is. Now, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be for a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Now, I just stated the covenant. Now, circumcision is a token of the covenant. Verse 12, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house and brought, bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Now notice we have a natural covenant, a natural token, natural people. Now, please notice the importance in this last verse of this covenant, what God thinks about this covenant in verse 14. And the uncircumcised man, 
whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Now, that's what God thinks about somebody who does not adhere to the covenant. So, in other words, if you didn't have the token, you broke his covenant. That's what he's saying there. If you didn't get circumcised, you are a breaker of my covenant because you must be circumcised under that law. Now, what do we want to talk about tonight for a little while, the Lord willing? Following the covenant angel. Following the covenant angel. Last time I spoke here, I talked about divine leadership, and uh, my theme is leadership tonight, but I want to go a totally different route kind of than I did last time. And we talk about following the covenant angel. Now, when we talk about leadership and following, Brother Bram, the last message he preached, of course, you know, was leadership, except for the little one he preached, communion. And in that leadership message, he said, now, the first thing your mother's going to lead you, and then, you, then she turns you over to the school teacher, and then she turns you over to your father later on, and then she turns you over to a minister or priest and so forth. And then he comes down to this paragraph 100. He said, now, what Brother Bram said here now, he said, now, at the end of the service, he said, now... Who leads you? Amen. Now, that's the question now. Now, we're all led by something tonight, and we have to be led. And we could all ask the question, who leads you? Who leads me? Now, we all got to face that, and we all got to answer that question. <clears throat> then at the end of this sermon, he gives kind of a synopsis, if you will, a, a summary. And let's leave that, read that out of paragraph 288. He said, I know this is a stern, cutting message. Remember, this is leadership, last major message he preaches for God took him home. But I didn't come here to choose a message to the people to try to make them sing, shout, holler. I've been, uh, I've been in heathen meetings where they've done the same thing. I'm interested in your life. I'm a servant of God that's got to answer to God. And the ministry that the Lord has given me has vindicated itself thousands of times before you. Amen. Did you hear that? I thought when I, when, I, when I read that, that ministry, God vindicated that ministry not hundreds, thousands of times. And how can anybody, how could anybody say, well, because, of, you know, there's a discrepancy about the Havilita Hogs, about the bridge, about the birth certificate or, or whatever like that. I'm not sure if there's a discrepancy there. There may be other, other discrepancy in his doctrine. He vindicated the, me the messenger and the message thousands of times. How could there be any question at all? Remember, Jesus said, follow me, follow me. Get rid of, talk about, uh, he's, in this message, he's actually talking back, referring back to the rich young, rich young ruler. He said, follow me. Get rid of what you got and follow me. And that's the only way to have eternal life. That's the only remedy he give this man, the rich young ruler, was the only remedy he give this businessman and the only remedy he gives anybody. His choice, he makes his decision. It's perfect every time. And we must follow him and the only way to have eternal life. So here's the, here's the summary. So the leadership of God is follow the vindicated word of the hour by the Holy Ghost. Amen. It don't get no simpler than that. You got to follow the vindicated word by the Holy Ghost. Vindicated word of the hour. Emphasize that. I mean, that's the only way. That is God's plan and principle of leadership for us today. 
And we must follow him. And the only way is to follow the vindicated word. Follow the vindicated word. Follow the message of the hour by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. Paul said, be ye followers of me as I follow Christ. Now, young people, when you think about this, if you want to call it protocol or subjection, uh, children are supposed to be subject to their uh, to their mothers, mothers are subject to their husband, husband subject to the pastor, pastor subject to the church age messenger, church age messenger is subject to Christ, you know, and then the children, they're also subject to Christ all the way up and each one all the way up, but that's kind of the protocol if you want to say it. So you children only young, you got a lot on my head of you. If people say, you know, I don't want to be subject to nothing. Well, that's, that's America today, but you got a long way to go before you get up here where you're not subject to nothing. In fact, you never will be. Right. <laughs> You just never, you're just never going to arrive that way. We're always going to be led by somebody. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to show you in this next quote, uh, God's principle in leadership. And it's a little more specific. And two main patterns of failure of man also. And then I'm going to show you a prophecy in this next quote. Church Age book, paragraph 92, or page 92. Brother Brown says now in the Ephesian church age, all right, now what was the spiritual climate of the church? It had left its first love. Leaving its first love of the word of God was revealed to us as having fallen from its origin, which was Pentecost. In plain English, that means this church was in danger of being taken away from the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember Brother Ben talking about, he said now, uh, when he talked about the Ephesus church, he said, I have once somewhat against you because you've left your first love. And he actually talked about they actually had perfect love. But they, he said, but they got away from it. Then you think about from time Jesus was ascended up until the first church age, A.D. 55. So it was that 20-year period actually before the church age started. I mean, that was, that was the Alpha church. They had perfect love. It was just, it was just God's perfect setup. Until the church age started, then it began to just falter and dwindle. And then, of course, he promised to restore it. He said, oh, this is, I just, I just love this. This, what was the climate of this Let me just start back. Leaving this first love. Okay, in plain English, that means this church was in danger of being taken away from the leading of the Holy Spirit, the control of the Spirit. That was exactly what took place after Moses led Israel out of Egypt the way God was to lead them. Now, notice how he did it. By the cloud of fire, or pillar of fire and cloud, prophetic utterance, miracles and signs, and God-given wonders. And this was to be accomplished by God-selected, God-ordained, God-equipped, and God-sent men with the whole camp being dominated not denominated, dominated <laughs> by a Holy Ghost move. Now, there's your pattern. They rebelled and wanted a set of rules and creeds to go by. Then they wanted a king. Then they wanted to be exactly like the world and went into complete apostasy and oblivion. This is exactly how the first church age started. So if that's the way the first church age started, that's the way the last church age is going to end up. The same kind of leadership, same kind of control. And it will get worse and worse until the Holy Spirit is completely rejected and God must destroy the people. Now, I want to ask you a question. That was the first church age. Did God destroy the people after the first church age? No. 
The second one? No. When's he going to destroy the people? After the end of this church age. So then it's a prophecy that the Holy Spirit is going to be completely rejected. Then God's going to have to destroy the people. So where, 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 are, where are we now being at the final closing minutes, closing hours, closing minutes, if you will, the Holy Spirit is being rejected. And almost will, it will be completely rejected. Not by the bride, but there's not going to be that many in the bride in relation to, to all Christians. So here we have the pattern. God was to lead us by the Holy Spirit. How? By a cloud of fire, prophetic utterance, miracles, God-given wonders, to be accomplished by God selected, God ordained, God equipped, God sent men. Being dominated by the Holy Ghost. Now, that's the pattern. And it'll get worse and worse until the Holy Spirit is completely rejected. But we're talking about following the covenant agent. We know we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, is going to be completely rejected. Now, let's read something in Exodus 23 and 20. Now, God said he's going to lead his children. Now, let's read this scripture. How's he going to lead his children? Now, he told Moses how he's going to do it. In Exodus 23 and 20, it says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place. God speaking to Moses. Now, bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will... Not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou wilt indeed, indeed obey his voice, do all that I speak, then will I be an enemy to thine enemies and an adversary to thine adversaries, for my angel shall go before thee. So he said he's going to lead him by an angel. Amen. What does this angel look like? Well, what did he look like? First of all, it's a he, not a she. There's no feminist angels. There's no women angels. I had a discussion with a, a, a person one time. Said, oh, yeah, there was a, and I forget the script, some scripture over in Nehemiah, something that talks about a, a feminist or a female angel. I said, no, it's not. There's no feminist angels. They're all masculine. And look, notice what Brother Ram says in Gifts and Callings, E28. He says, Moses did nothing. He said, now I'm going to send this angel before you. He's going to lead him. Moses did nothing. It was the angel of God. Is that right? What did it look like that led Israel? A pillar of fire. A pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I believe he's still leading on. We know that was the angel of the covenant. Is that right? It was the Logos or the Christ. He's still the same leading the people today as he was then. Who was this angel? Or who is this angel? Who is this pillar of fire? Who is this angel of the covenant? Now, in this next quote, I hope it don't choke you, but this is, oh, it's, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. Now, all these last, I'd say probably three Wednesday nights that Brother Donnie has talked about, deity and Christ and his person and, the, you know, he is God, all this is going to come in real good right now. <laughs> and when I was putting all of this together, I thought, I didn't have, you know, I've been looking at this for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks, whatever. I didn't realize it was all going to come so parallel to what he was saying. So guess what? You're going to hear it again. Then you can really say amen. No wonder this angel of the covenant. Who is it? Who is this angel of the covenant? No wonder that, and I read that first. If you don't see Christ in every word of the Bible, go back and read it again. And I remember what a preacher said one time. He said, now, 
I can see through Christ uh, the promises, the benefits, the love, joy, all the positive attributes of that's Christ. But, you know, we've got murder, we've got adultery, we've got incest, we've got lying, we've got all the evil in the Bible. How do you see Christ in that? And finally, the Lord revealed to him, he said, yes, that's not Christ itself, but, but he is the remedy for all that. <laughs> So you see Christ in every word, every verse of the Bible, because if he's, if he's not that himself, if you're not that yourself, he is a remedy for all that. So it's Christ in every word. He is the whole word of God. No wonder that's the capstone revelation. No wonder Brother Bram said, if you can't see Christ in every word, read it again. No wonder that the mighty God has been unveiled before us. Who is a, this mighty God that's been unveiled before us? The mighty God unveiled. No wonder the only time Jesus ever stated his own will in John 17, 24, every time he said, Lord, not my will, not my will, but one place he said, Lord, I, I, won't, I, I asked for one thing in his, his prayer in John 17. What was the only thing Jesus, Jesus ever asked for? He said, Lord, that where I am, let them be there also. All those that you gave me, let them be where I am. So what did he do? He asked for your fellowship. Amen. The only thing Jesus ever asked for was your fellowship. <laughs> Where did it, how we ought to love him for that. Amen. What a tremendous thing. All the way through, not my will, but thine be done. But he said, Lord, there's just one thing I want. I want the fellowship of my children, of your children, my, my brothers, you know, my bride. Oh, I just, don't you just love that? Amen. Now, Man, he desired our fellowship. We, you know, we got to get the right approach to God. You know, we, as Brother Donnie has said so many times, you know, we've got this old traditional idea, you know, God, the old man on the throne, you know, he's, you know, got like an iron hammer and Jesus, well, you know, I'm going to try to make it easy on, a little easier for them. Don't be so hard on, no, that's not the way at all. That's, that's tradition. That's, that's denominationalism. Christ is God. He had to become flesh so he could pay the price of the kinsman redeemers. Very simple. But he desired our fellowship. And to have that, there has to be an absolute oneness for us to be in fellowship with God. But he made a way that we could have that oneness. Jesus said, in that day, that's this day, I'll be in the Father and the Father and me, I and you and you and me. We are Messiahs, the Word made flesh in you and me. And now, let's read, okay, let's read this quote. Don't let this choke you now. Ready? Enix, uh, Enix, Elijah Phoenix, I guess that's Enix, isn't it? <laughs> Elijah and Phoenix, a message, paragraph 51. How many knows that the first time Jesus appeared to lead the people, he was in the... <laughs> How many knows the first time Jesus appeared to lead the people, he was in the form of a pillar of fire? The angel of covenant led the children of Israel. The second time he appeared, he was in the form of man called Jesus. The third time he appears, he's in the form of spirit called the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You get it? That's him. Now, he's just the same today as he was when he led the children in the pillar of fire. It's only thing it is is God condescending, bringing himself down. It's the same God all the time. Amen. Way up there on the mount, Moses, no one, even if an animal touched, don't, don't miss that, even an animal couldn't touch that mountain. Not even an animal, you had to be killed. 
Touched the mountain, had to be killed, no sacrifice, no blood. That could take the place so sinners couldn't approach the holy God. Then, the next time he came down, born of a virgin, a virgin birth, and God came into his son, Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. You could touch him then, but not back then because uh, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a sufficient blood at that time. But now there's sufficient blood. You could touch him now. Remember Jesus when the woman said, who touched me? She touched him. He was a different person. What's God doing? Breaking his blood cell to sanctify a church. Oh, don't you just love that? Breaking a blood cell. The right kind of a blood cell. What kind of a blood cell? A creative blood cell. Not the blood of a human. It's God's blood. All the way. God's blood. God created the blood. God created the egg. God did it all. That was God's creation. Breaking the blood cell to sanctify, so we could touch him, to sanctify a church that he could come down himself and have fellowship with his people. See how God loves you. He brought, you couldn't do nothing about it. You know, back in Pentecost, you know, you don't mention the word predestination. None, zero, zilch, nada, none, ever. But that wasn't scriptural. I mean, you just might as well just tear out the whole book of Ephesians, especially the first couple of chapters if you don't believe in predestination. That's just, you know. God wrote it. I didn't write it. I just believe what he said. Amen. You couldn't do nothing about it. He brought himself down and cleaned his road as he come through. Boy, now that's a good Kentucky grammar, ain't it? He cleaned his road as he came through. He said, all right, I'm coming through. I'm going to just cleanse it as I come. Amen. Blood of bulls and goats didn't do it, but I got a blood that will take care of it. Away sin till he come down in fellowship with Adam, talking about a restored Adam. So he said, do you see it? Do you, do you begin to understand now as we do understand? So once again, we find out it's becoming more clear who Christ is so that you'll understand. And by the way, remember the, we know the famous quote that we always quote all the time. Brother Ben said, I'm going to call you bride in the first seal. I just love that. But if you'll finish, you've got to finish that quote. There's more, there's another three or four uh, Five, six, seven words to it. End of that quote. He said, I'm going to call you bride so that you'll understand. So that you'll understand. So that you'll understand. There had to, there had to, be, a, there had to be a way given to us so that we can understand. Now, how do you think you can understand revelation if God didn't give you representation to understand revelation? He said, I'm going to make a way that you can understand Revelation. So he gave you a way to understand Revelation. I'm going to call you bride so that you can understand. Oh, thank the Lord for that. The power of God. Now, that's scriptural. I'm going to call you bride so that you can understand. Now, the power of God, E7. Now, over in the gospel, now the book of Exodus, rather, 14th chapter, I like to end up the 13th chapter, the pillar of fire. A pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the day and night. In the daytime, it looked like a, it looked like a cloud. And at nighttime, it looked like a pillar of fire leading Israel. And that was the angel of the covenant. None other than Jesus Christ. Before he was made flesh and coming to the womb of Mary, it was Christ. You know, when the Bible says Moses streamed, you know, the, the suffering of Christ, greater riches and so forth like that. 
How did that? It was, it, was, it was Christ back there in another form, the pillar of fire. But it was Christ all the way. It was Christ. Moses followed Christ. He didn't follow Jesus. He followed Christ. Jesus was, as we all know, isn't it, isn't it wonderful just to have this revelation? It's just wonderful. You know, we're, we're not in darkness. We're not confused. We're not deceived. It, the whole picture is becoming clear. He was made flesh and come to the womb of Mary. It was Christ. Moses followed Christ. Christ said the scriptures said that he was in the wilderness with Moses. And that's who he was, the angel of the covenant. And now, when we talk about Melchizedek, who was Melchizedek? That was God in Theophany. And Melchizedek became Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, you go listen. Who is this Melchizedek? Brother Benson says another revelation on the scripture. Now, Let's look at this just a minute. God, back to the circumcision and, and to, the, uh, to the covenant. God gave instructions for circumcision, of course, 400 years before the children of Israel had come out. He gave that, you know, covenant to Abraham. And Brother Abraham said, now, we talk about the children of Israel. They came out, and then, of course, they had the plagues there, and God spared the children of Israel, but, you know, he plagued Egypt. So, Brother Brown said one time, said, why didn't, and we're talking about the covenant now, why didn't God respect those uncircumcised Egyptians concerning the plagues? He said, because they were uncircumcised and were, they were not in the covenant. Now, you're going to understand more after tonight, hopefully, about the covenant and the importance of the covenant. They were not in the covenant. Only Israel was in the covenant. They were covenant people. Why did David, why did David make such a big deal about Goliath? He said, you know, you mean to tell me that this uncircumcised Philistine is going to defy the armies of the living God? Why did he keep saying that, this uncircumcised Philistine? Uncircumcised Philistine. That was, a, it wasn't because he was big. God could, I don't care if he was four times that big. God could have brought him down. But David was all upset. You know, you are, you are, you people of Israel, you're in the covenant. God has said he's fighting your battles. He's going to win your wars. And you've got this man that's not even in the covenant. And you're worried about this man that's uncircumcised, not in the covenant. Shame on you. It's all about the covenant. God promised to take care of his people that's in the covenant. What about Israel today? Israel is a covenant people. They was all the way from Abraham all the way down, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all the way down Israel. They're still in the covenant people today. You talk, you talk, well, don't get me started on Israel tonight. We won't never get out of here. But how the, they, they're, they're advanced in military, they're advanced in medicine, they're advanced in science, they're advanced in agriculture. They're all the way through. Why has God blessed Israel? Only 20% of them are Orthodox. The rest of them are just, forgive me for saying, they're just renegades. They're just Jews. But why is God still blessing Israel? Because the Bible says Israel is still in the covenant. God is obligated to that covenant. I don't care how ragged they are. They're still in the covenant. And God promised that the desert shall blossom like a rose. It has to be that way because they're part of the covenant. I just was just reading a couple other links of, that, that about Israel. Just in the last few months, it's come out with they, Israel, the, the, their medical uh, t 
team there in, in the University of Tel Aviv, they've come out with, they believe they've, they've broken through on uh, a, a vaccine. They've tested on mice and, it, and for 10 days, dosage on mice, it kills 90% of the cancer cells as far as Alzheimer's and dementia. They think they've broken, broken through on that. They, uh, I read sometime they had this, uh, they've developed this new missile they, you know, you can, you can send a missile out, you know, a program to hit a certain target, and it goes out, you know, and, it's, and it hits a certain target. But now Israel has one, I think they call it the Delilah, well, that's a good name for it. <laughs> they can send that missile out if they decide they don't want it to hit right there, they reprogram it. If they want it to turn, or maybe even go in a holding pattern, or go out to sea and, de- and self-destruct, they, they can do it. It's almost, almost unversely indestructible. God, Israel knows how to do it. God has blessed them with the understanding to be able to do it. And it goes on and on and on. Why? Because Israel is the covenant people. That ought to give you encouragement to realize you are a covenant people. The bride is a covenant people. His children is a covenant people. Now, this angel of the covenant. Which covenant? Most important covenant that God made with Abraham, he had several covenants, was concerning the promised seed and the seal of circumcision. Now, of course, at first it was a natural seed of Abraham going to a natural land. And just remember now, when you're talking about these covenants with God, it's always blood. Now, remember, it's always blood. Now, covenant, now this covenant, let's talk about Abraham, the seal of circumcision. This covenant was sealed with a token of blood shedding, circumcision, blood. Then the children of Israel leaving Egypt was brought out, you know, by a Passover again. Shedding of blood under the leadership of Moses. Even the angel told Moses, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Now, the, the Lord who made this covenant, the Lord who made this covenant is going to fulfill this covenant. Now, let's, let's kind of skip right down and let's look at Malachi 3. Very interesting scripture. A little bit confusing, but very interesting. Malachi 3. Now, we know this is talking about John the Baptist, but look at this scripture. He said, Behold, I send my messenger, Malachi 3, 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, colon, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, comma, even the messenger of the covenant, comma, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, if you read... Many times when you read the scripture and we read it just like the continuity of English language, this, then the next one has to refer back to the, the last part of the sentence. But a lot of times God don't do that. He just interjects things where he wants to. It doesn't always have to, because the natural English, you know, dictates it, it follow continuity there. Just like in Malachi 4, 5, and 6, that's our scripture. But he said he'll turn the heart of the father to the children and the heart of the children back to the fathers. But that's our scripture. But John fulfilled the first part, Brother Bram, the second. Even, even when Jesus speaking to Peter there, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then, you know, he said, thou art the Christ. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but, but thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. You would think that's referring back to Peter being the rock, but it's not referring back to Peter being the rock. It's referring back to thou art Peter, and, and flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It's a revelation of who Christ was. But it sounds like, like the Catholic Church, takes it, they're referring back to Peter, but it wasn't Peter. So look at Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before you, colon, 
And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. That's speaking of. <laughs> then even the messenger of the covenant, that's speaking of John, whom you delight in. Of course, that's both of them, if you want to look at it that way. He shall come, saith the Lord. So we find that the messenger of the covenant, who is this? Who's the messenger of the covenant? Brother Ben says in perfect strength, we know who it is. John was more than a prophet, perfect strength, perfect weakness. John was more than a prophet. And look, he come in the humblest of all them, but he was more than a prophet. You know what John was? He was a messenger of the covenant. Sure he was. He went beyond a prophet. A prophet's a seer who sees things. John did too, but he was beyond that. He was a messenger of the covenant. He said, yea, this is he who was said, I'll send my messenger before thy face. That's who he was. He was the messenger of the covenant. Sure, in his simple way of coming, it just blinded all the intellectuals. Why was, why was John's ministry so great? Because he was the messenger of the covenant, God's covenant with Abraham. There had to be, Brother Ben said that John, he was the, the arch between the two dispensations that tied them together. He said he was the arch between law and grace. And he said in another place, he was a breach. He was a keystone between law and grace. So John had to introduce the Messiah to, to bring together the breach between law and grace. He was the messenger of that covenant. Who is the covenant? Christ is the covenant. Now, who was John? He was a messenger of that covenant of that covenant. But look at this is I just love this part. Send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Who was that Christ? Who, who was it that suddenly came to his temple? That was, who was it? That was Christ. That was, glory to God, that was the Logos. Amen. That a pillar of fire in the burning bush, the angel of the covenant, the promised Messiah at the Jordan River suddenly came to his temple. That Logos became in flesh. It was Melchizedek becoming Jesus Christ. That's why I said, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. God took up that tabernacle of flesh there. When John baptized him in the, in the Jordan River, he received the Holy Ghost. You know the story. How wonderful that is. What a wonderful manifestation. We see it. Now the, the, the one who made the covenant is fulfilling the covenant. The angel of the covenant actually became the covenant. The incarnated Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, look now. Let's look, let's look a little bit farther here. Back to the blood again. When that creative blood of God was shed, that ratified the covenant for both Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul in Hebrews, he explains all this about that covenant, talking about better promises, was not for the natural seed of Abraham, but was for the spiritual seed of Abraham. We're not the natural seed, we're the royal faith seed of Abraham. We're not through Isaac, the lineage of natural seed, but we're the royal faith seed of Abraham through Christ. Through Christ, not by the law, but through faith to the royal faith seat of Abraham. That's, Christ, that's why Christ was and is the angel of the covenant. What was the covenant? To Abraham and to his promised seed. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll bless you and I'll make you a father of nations and I'll prosper you and all these things. And you'll be a, a father of many nations, so forth and so on. But wait now, the angel of the covenant, was that all? No, 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 that's, that's not the end of it. Actually, that's just the beginning. We find that what Saul on the road to Damascus, and we know the story, that light struck him down. Who was that? Who was that light? There again, who was that light that struck down? Paul, the pillar of fire again. Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? He said, who are they? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So he was that light back again. 
I'll read you a quote a minute. You'll just love this quote that Brother Ben talks about this. Now, let's just take a great big leap down to Revelations 10.1. Revelation 10.1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. So now, who was that? <laughs> right. <laughs> who was it? Well, let's look at his main character. What was his main character? It was a rainbow. What's a rainbow? A rainbow's a covenant. So we got a rainbow, we got a covenant, we got a pillar of cloud, we got a pillar of fire. It sounds like the same one we we're talking about all the way before. Can't be nobody else but Christ. We know Revelation 10.1 was, was a covenant angel, angel of the covenant. We know Revelation 10.7 was Brother Bramfield fulfilled that. Revelation 10.1 was Christ. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on head. It was a covenant, the covenant angel. Amen. So it's a covenant, the covenant angel. Even in Acts 3, 19 through 21, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution or restoration of all things. Christ had to stay into heaven until the appointed time of the restoration. In Revelation 10, 1, 1963, he descended into the fullness of the word. Not in body now, not in the corporal body, but in the fullness of the word. That's why even his perusion, they got all hung about. I remember back in, in 81, 82, 83, when we first came into the message, you know, they said that the rapture's done, took place, and the rapture's over, and we don't take communion anymore, and on and on and on. They thought the rapture's done, took place. It was, they, they had a little sliver of truth, but he only came down in the fullness of the word. Yes, he's here. Christ is here. The, the fullness of the word is here. We'll get to this other quote in just a minute. That's why in the masterpiece he said justification made way for sanctification. Sanctification made way for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, go ahead and let's finish this last rest of the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost made way for the Holy Ghost himself. It could only be in this day, no other day. Why did Brother Ben say the token, which was a literal life of Jesus Christ, could only come in the evening time? No other age could that token be applied with the fullness of the word being born in the manifestation. could only come in the evening time. Because this is the only time Luther had a dip, Wesley had a dip, Pentecostals had a dip, but we got the fullness. Brother, that's why we ought to love him. We ought to serve him. We ought to appreciate what God has done for us in this day. Revelation 10, 1, and I saw another mighty angel come, from down, come down from heaven, a cloud, a rainbow, pillars of fire, that same covenant angel, Christ, just in another form. Oh, just how God can just, you know, hide himself from the wise and the prudent, reveal him to be such as learn. Oh, if we could just see the fullness of the revelation of what happened in 1963, Revelation 10, 1, the sin of that covenant angel, Christ in the fullness of this word. I believe we're going to begin to see a little bit more and more. And we could pick it up in Ezekiel and the parents of fire of amber. And, and uh, I'm, I'm going to skip I'm going to skip that because I don't want to take a lot of time because uh, I'm just giving you my introduction now. God is light, has seven colors in the rainbow. Joseph had a coat of many colors, a rainbow, if you will. It represented God's covenant running through Joseph. You can't get away from that. What does the Bible say? God is light. Just like the Bible says, God is a spirit. God is spirit. God is great. He's wonderful. 
He's good all the time. Noah, the flood, God sent a bow in the sky, a rainbow. That was a covenant. It was a promise never to destroy the earth again by water. The rainbow was a token of the covenant. What was it for? To vindicate the ministry. What was, it, what, was the, what was the rainbow significant in Revelation 10, 1? The covenant angel. To vindicate the ministry of Malachi 4. To verify the covenant with the bride. Amen. Listen to these things. To show that he is here to lead the bride. To show that the bride has entered into the bride age. Amen. Laodicea goes on to the rapture, but we're not in Laodicea. We've been called out of that. We're in the bride age. Aren't you glad God even, God through the prophet even designated an age and even named an age for the bride to live in and called it after her own name, the bride, the bride age. It represented a cloud in the sky to vindicate his presence, to restore our faith back to the fathers, Malachi 4, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on was the purpose of that. And not only, notice this one aspect of this covenant, now this covenant it's not only a promise, but this covenant is a person. Oh, just listen to this. Abraham's covenant. He said, by this you should know. Now, what is the real covenant or who is the real covenant? By this you should know what my covenant is, Abraham. Abraham being spiritual, he knowed it. Why? That's exactly what God did. He took his covenant seed which was the real seed was the promised one through faith, come forth out of Isaac, come forth Christ. Christ was God's covenant. Amen. Now, don't read ahead on me yet. What did he do with this covenant? A covenant is an agreement. What did he do with this covenant? Got to be two parts of this covenant. And what he did, he took him up, Calvary, just like Abraham did his own son a few days afterwards or a few years after, after he was born. What did he do? He, he took him on Calvary and he tore him apart. Amen. Tore, talking about a Christ. Tore him apart. Raised his body up on Easter morning and set him on the right hand of his throne. But the spirit that was in him sent, he sent back down to the church so that the church, when this covenant is brought into its full strength, <laughs> when this covenant is brought into its full strength, you're in the covenant. When this covenant is brought to its full strength, the covenant is confirmed with God. The church, the people that goes into this body here to be his bride will be exactly the same spirit that was upon Christ doing the same thing, the same ministry, the same power, and it'll come together and be the word by the word, the same confirming the covenant. When? When? When this covenant is being brought to full strength. Brother and sister, we're almost there now. We're almost there now. This is adoption time. This is full majority time. This is not the infant bride age. As Brother Man said in Spoken Words, Original Seed 62, he said, there's an, I'm declaring there's an infant bride upon the earth. This ain't 1962. This is almost 2020. God, has a, God ain't going to marry a baby, a child. He's marrying a matured woman, a matured wife. Confirming the covenant. Confirming that covenant, he's confirming that covenant. When this, when this covenant is brought to its full strength, they were almost there now, brothers and sisters. 
God in the final stages of confirming this covenant, that's where we are. Christ is God's covenant. He tore them apart, raised the corporal body up to heaven, two pieces, sent the Spirit to, if you want to call it peace, if you want to put it that way, sent the Spirit down on the church. And when this covenant is brought to full strength, that's where we're, we're almost there now. I just, you know, I, I, when I think, I think, how close are we? How really close are we? How close are we? I don't think we really realize. You say, well, how is it going to be a month, two months, six months, six years? I don't, I don't know. I, it, it, it could be tomorrow. Amen. Just, like in, just like we read there in Malachi 3, suddenly he came to his temple. Suddenly the world could, could collapse. Suddenly all these things could happen. Suddenly. Amen. All the prophecies about the Lord Jesus, most of them happened in the last six hours of his life. Suddenly it can happen. Amen. The old thing has got to wait five years. It can happen suddenly. We're almost there. It's done. It's been spoken. What are we? We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh and life of his life. What did he say? What's the next thing he said? She is him. She is him. And we've got to recognize who we are. And we're recognizing who he is so we can recognize who we are. She, the bride, is the matching piece to the masterpiece. That's who you are. Because it was a covenant. It had to be two in that covenant. You're the matching piece to the masterpiece. The unconditional covenant. The bride is the covenant people. Unconditionally. Did you hear what I said? The bride is the covenant people unconditionally. Why is Israel so blessed today? As I said, only 20% orthodox. They're in the covenant. God has to honor that covenant. There's many people around the message. They're blessed, good jobs, good health, good this, good that. Because they're under the umbrella of this message. They're all part. They're, 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 under, they're actually under the umbrella of this message. Why do even Brother Ram talks about taking them out from under the protection of the church so the devil can get to them to, for the destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved. They're under protection of the church. People, the people around this message are blessed because they're un, under the umbrella of this message. I don't guarantee them to be bride, but they're, they're not in the covenant, but they're under the umbrella of the covenant. You are, but you are, you've been the bride, you are in the covenant, and you are blessed because you're in that covenant. The bride is the covenant people, unconditionally. God called you out of the world, gave you the Holy Ghost, the seed of Abraham. You are tonight with a blessed promise, Amen. Then if you're Abraham's seed, you have the promise in you. You believe God regardless of what takes place. The Holy Ghost makes you believe it anyhow. The ho- Did I read that right? The Holy Ghost makes you believe it anyhow. You want scripture for that. The Holy Ghost makes you believe it anyhow. The Bible says, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall... Now, is it make or set? Make. The truth shall make you free. I've often used this illustration. Now, this is this way. I'm just a country boy. So, the truth shall make you free. Okay? Now, if you've got a, a crowd and you've got a crowd full of cattle, they're all pinned up in this great big crowd, hundreds of cattle in this great big crowd. They're pinned up. They're not free. Okay, you got, a, you got a gate in that crowd. You open that gate up, that gives them the option to go out. 
If they don't go, if they don't want to go out, they stay in. They're not free. But there's the option to go out. It'll set them free. But let's just say you supernaturally just remove the, all the corral fence and just lift it up off the top of them. There's no corral fence at all. You're automatically free. You ain't got no choice. <laughs> you ain't got no choice. There's no corral fence around you. You're automatically free. And, and you should know the truth. And if you know the truth and you've got an ear to hear the truth, shall make you free. You don't have any option to be free. You are free. You're not bound by the law of sin and death anymore. Because why? You're a bride people. You're a covenant people. You're in the covenant. You're part of the covenant. There's a matching piece to the covenant. And the Holy Ghost makes you believe it anyway. Oh, mercy. Now, I want to read this long quote as we try to find a place. Now, that was just my introduction. Let's get to the application. This is out of the Angel of the Covenant. Lengthy, but this is, I mean, I want you to follow up. We got it on the screen. Aren't you glad that we got this on the screen? Oh, brother, sister. That's the greatest thing since sliced bread, I'm telling you, and I love bread. I'm so glad you could see it. Angel of the Covenant, paragraph 45. Well, you people who receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost has got a witness that Jesus Christ lives and reigns. Ought to be an easy thing for you to believe in divine healing. Why, Joshua knowed just as soon as they started shouting the walls was going to drop, the victory was his, because God said so. That's it, said so. And we're talking about following the pillar of fire. Okay, that's the focus, following the pillar of fire. The angel of the Lord was going before them, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, the angel of the covenant, the Christ, the Logos, before it was made flesh to dwell among us. Now, please, this is the principal focus. Notice. Now, I want to ask you something. That was the sign of the Old Testament. They followed that pillar of fire. They followed that pillar of fire. They followed that pillar of fire. I'm preaching to you tonight. We're talking about following the covenant angel, which we know that's just one of the forms he was in, Christ in the pillar of fire. They followed the pillar of fire. Wherever it went, they went. When it stopped, they stopped. And they built their camps under the pillar of fire, a pillar of fire. Don't miss this now. I'm going to to get to a principle in just a a few minutes, denominational principle, if you will. It didn't say a thunderhead of fire. It said a pillar of fire. And where it stopped, they stopped. And then priests watched it. And whenever it moved, they sounded the trumpets. If it was midnight, 3 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock noon, they all packed up and they went, and away they went. Don't miss this. They followed the pillar of fire. They kept in the will of the Lord by doing so. That's how they kept in the will of the Lord, by following that pillar of fire. Now, there we, know, we know what happened to the, all those that was over 20 years old that only two of them made it out, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them died and was lost forever, eternally separated. You know, when you think about that, how can that be? God brought them out and he had destroyed them. Jude talks about that. <clears throat> and even those who know the same thing. They followed the pillar of fire. They kept in the will of the Lord by doing so. How beautiful. If they ever lost that pillar of fire in the New Testament, I mean in our age, 
If they ever lost that pillar of fire, I mean in our age, then he goes on to say, through 1,500 years of dark ages, what did they do? They theoretically lost the pillar of fire. They failed to see it. But there was a fellow by one day by the name of Martin Luther. He saw the pillar of fire. And away he went on that first reformation. Paragraph 47. But you know what happened? He organized, well, not, not actually him, but after him, organized his church so tight, it began to be, it was only the Lutheran church. So you was either Luther or you wasn't in it. Pillar of fire won't hang over nothing like that. I want you to, I want, if you don't catch nothing else, you've got to catch this application. Pillar of fire won't hang over nothing like that. So away it went. Luther couldn't follow it because he, Luther had been dead for years around and servants and apostles in the church and, uh, and another round and another round weekend down just like the disciples. And the pillar of fire moved away from the Lutheran church. Notice it's moving. Luther couldn't go because he had all of his rituals and everything wrote up. Then there was a little fellow by the name of John Wesley in England. He saw it. And away he went. And he went a revival that saved England, the United States, and the English known world. In that day, the Wesley Revival. Paragraph 48, West, Wesley, George Whitfield, old Ashbury, many of them. They had got that great revival. And then the first thing you know, they got so organized down until they began to get new Get after a few rounds just as cold and starchy as they could. That's right. The pillar fire won't hang around that. Are you seeing it? Pillar fire won't hang around. So away it went. Or it went away from them. And a bunch of people called the Pentecostals seen it. And away they went after it. And they built them a church under it. You know the sad part, the Pentecostals are so organized, the pillar of fire is moving out again and they can't go. That's right. But the pillar of fire is moving anyhow. God said it would. That's right. They had the sign of the fire by night and the cloud by day that led them. Then, now I want to I wanna bring in this quote. Revelation, church age book, page 13. The importance of revelation, I'm just, I'm adding, I'm finished with that story, I'm adding that in. The importance of revelation by the Spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. Revelation means more to you than perhaps you realize. Now, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation and you, I'm talking about all revelation. It is tremendously important to you. Amen. It's all important to you. It's severely important to you. In fact, the whole church is built on divine revelation. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. The divine, the divine revelation. The church is built on revelation. That's why the critics that come to Brother Brown said, Brother Brown, we can't accept revelation. Then he said, you have to deny Jesus Christ because he is a revelation of God. See, I was raised Church of Christ. They deny all revelation. They don't even read the book of Revelation. They don't even carry an Old Testament. They speak where the Bible speaks. If you can't see it in black and white, thou shalt not smoke. We don't believe it. I, I, that's the way Church of Christ is. That's why, you know, Brother Ben talks about we speak where the Bible speaks, silent words, silent. That's always Church of Christ. It's got to be in black and white. If you don't, it ain't black and white, we don't believe it. That's why in the New Testament, there's no scripture in the New Testament that actually says, you may have a piano and an organ in the church. So that's why they don't believe in instrumental music. It's got to be in black and white. 
Why? They refuse all revelation. They refuse all revelation. But we love it, as the prophet said. We love it, and we believe it, and we receive it, and we draw the benefits from it. That's the only way the church can be ordained and saved and, and even brought into the, the covenant of God is by revelation. Remember the pillar of fire still leading and moving forward. Now, this scripture here, got to hurry real quick. This scripture really that we're going to read now in Revelation 3.17, it really is, is a curse to denominational spirit. But very few people really have caught what really this means in this scripture. Let's read Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increasing goods, and have need of nothing, knowest thou not that wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We've read that thousands of times. Brother Ben said, Scripture has a compound meaning. Sure, we realize that Laodicea is rich, increasing goods, wealthy, so forth, of all the ages. But if you go read the church age book, he takes each one of these, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, brings a spiritual application for all of them. Especially this one, have need of nothing. Amen. This is a denominational spirit. Amen. I'm going to explain it to you. This scripture is... It's, 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 it's actually, if I could put it this way, it's actually damnable to those who have this denominational spirit because it said right there, they have need of nothing. Now, understand what this scripture means. Look in the Laodicean Church Age, page 344. Very clear what the prophet said. He said, now when anybody says, if you never read this, you'll, you'll love this. You understand it now. I have no need of nothing. Spiritually speaking, he could, be where, he could very well be saying, I have everything. Or he could be saying, I don't want any more as I am full now. Spiritually. You can express it any way you want to. And it all adds up to the fact that the church is complacent. She is satisfied with what she has. She either figure, figures she has it all or has enough. And that's exactly what we find today. They said, we don't need any more revelation. We don't, and even today, even today, that, that spirit around the message church, we don't, need to, we don't need to go to church three times. We don't need revelation. We don't need to go to camp meetings. We don't need to go here. We don't need to archive any other five-fold ministry. We, we don't need to, we don't even, you know, we, we, we got enough. That is a denominational spirit. Now watch. Now watch. Watch. She either figures she has it all or has enough. That's exactly what we find today. What denomination is not claiming that it has the revelation and the power of the truth? Listen to the Baptists, and, and they have it all. Listen to the Baptists, they have it all. Listen to the Church of Christ, and everyone is wrong but them. Hear what the Pentecostals say, and they have the fullness of the fullness. Now they know I'm telling the truth about them, for not one of their manuals say anything different. They got their manuals wrote up. They wrote it all out just so nice and put their names and, and published it and finished it all up. God just doesn't have any more. Said, we've got everything we need. We don't need any more. That's all we need. We got our articles of faith. We got our creeds. We got our denomination. We got everything we need. We don't need no more. And there are those who just don't want any more. Now listen, that's 
spirit is around this message. That spirit is not the message. And it's not in the message. It's around the message. The, and that same spirit is in never message church. Now, as I said, we don't need, you know, I don't, you know if I come to church once a week, that's fine. well, I don't need to. I really don't have to have three. Why does the Bible say even so much more as you see that day approach? Why? 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 Not fussing at you. I'm asking you, why does the Bible say that? Because anything that you do, you get into that spirit, whether right or wrong, whatever, you get into that spirit, okay? So the more you get into that spirit, the more you want to do it. Even if it's right, it's okay, you know. You go hunting, whatever you do, it's, it's, it's fine. You get in that spirit. Well, if we're going to be the bride of Christ, if, since we are, and we're preparing for that day of rapture, we want to be more like Him, more in His presence, more like Him. So the more we get to church, the more we get into the Spirit, more than we want to get in the Spirit, more than we want to go to church, the more than we want to read, the more we want to listen, the more we want to study, the more we want to read the books, the more... But if you stay away and stay away and stay away, then you start getting cold. Well, I don't need... Well, you know, I have enough. That's a denominational spirit. Flee from it. I got to close. He talks about manuals. They have it wrote up in their manuals. Give me about 10 more minutes. This is Saturday night. But this, this, is, the best part. this is the best part of the whole service tonight. So this... It's a 1973 volume of the Pentecostal Holiness Church Manual, Articles of Faith. This is, this is a little church manual. When you're in denomination, they print these manuals. This is what we believe. This is what we do. This is what we say. This is what we live by. This is our Bible. This is our creed. This is our everything. This, this very book right here, I was in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. I got kicked out of the Pentecostal Holiness Church. This is the book that kicked me out. This is a little book that kicked me out. My wife, she was Pentecostal homeless. It, it's very interesting when you read. I'm going to read you a couple of things out of this. In the Pentecostal homeless church, section one, the, their creed and covenant. Creed? Brother Bram talks about creed. The first, the first creed, you know what creed it is? Apostles' creed. Pentecostal Holiness Church. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, which was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born in the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried, He descended into hell, that is, the place of the departed righteous. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From hence shall He come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and everlasting life. Amen. That's their first creed. Apostles' Creed. How many times did the prophet of God talk about the Apostles' Creed and how damnable that was, the Catholic Church being the head and the mother of all of it? Amen. Then, then, okay, I've, just, I've been preaching to you about the covenant, the covenant angel, angel of the covenant, agreement. We're part of the covenant. Christ is a God's covenant. You're part of that covenant. Now, they have their covenant. I'm going to read just one, just the first verse of this. We have now their covenant. We, having been called out of the world by the blessed Spirit of God, well, I wish that was true, but it's not, and having become acquainted with the articles of faith and the polarity of the Pentecostal Holiness Church, 
believing it to be of God and having given our names and thereby becoming members of the same. In other words, you put your name on the church book, you give them their name, and it's on their record. That's what they mean, okay? Our names thereby become members of the same. Do solemnly, but cheerfully, and with joy and gladness, enter into this covenant. You put your name on the book, you're in a Pentecostal Holiness, a Pentecostal Holiness Church denominational covenant. Your name's in there. You're in their covenant. That means you're attached to the Catholic Church. Why do you think he said Revelation 18 for? Come out of her, my people, and be you separate, saith from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, 6, 17 says, uh, it talks about in touching not the unclean thing. Then you could, you could turn the page over here and talk about they being baptism in the Holy Ghost, one God, three persons, and evidence of speaking in tongues and everything. This is, this is what got kicked me out. Because what happened was, when I got, we got, we got introduced to the message, and we got rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, my first Pentecostal homeless pastor heard that we had been rebaptized. He called me into a meeting and said, we're going to have to have a trial. Are you either going to recant or we're going to have a trial? <clears throat> I, I read these about 15 years ago, but I just feel led to read them. This is the original paper that I got letterhead from the Pentecostal Holy Church when I got kicked out. I'm going to read you what they said. Okay, can I keep about five more minutes? It's okay. Dear Brother Terry, the church board met January 29, 1981, officially called a meeting in which you were present. In this meeting, all the members of the board were asked to state their position relative to the Articles of Faith. This is the Articles of Faith. State the position relative to Article Faith. At that time, you stated that the church board that you could not fully accept Articles 1, 2, and 11, because it's 13 Articles of Faith, as stated in the manual uh, in the Pentecostal Church, page 21 22. Because of this, the church board has passed the following motion. Quote, due to Brother Terry's, Brother Terry Horn's statement that he could not embrace the Articles of Faith of the 1977 manual of the Pentecostal Holiness Church, and there, oh, this sounds so legal. In their entirety, namely Articles 1, 2, and 11, stated on pages 21, 22, that he be suspended from all church board as a member and also that he be suspended from all his activities and leadership positions in the local church. Furthermore, that on Saturday, this was January 29th, on Saturday, February the 14th, this happened to be on Valentine's Day, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday a.m. at the church, a meeting shall be held to conduct a trial for his being out of harmony with the stated articles of faith. I had to stand trial before the church board. Brother Terry, as we, the church board, regret that this action has to be taken, failure on your part to appear at this meeting on February 14th to answer charges will mean that your name will be removed from the church roll and you will be denied the right of any appeal. I went to the church meeting. I'm going to read you the second paper. I went to the meeting and said, we're going to have to take your name off the book. I said, take it off. Take it off. Why do I care if my name's on their book? 
Why do I care if Brother David, why do I care if, if, they, if my name's on their book? That means nothing. Here's a book. Here's a book. If I'm not taking just just a couple, let me. I, you got to you got to listen to page two. After I had the meeting on Valentine's Day, after due and, pro, and proper notice being given to Miss. Now the, the second letter, the first letter they said, "Dear Brother Terry." The second letter, "Dear Terry." After due and proper notice being given to Mr. Terry Horn to appear before the church board of the Hodgesville Pentecostal Holiness Church on February 14th, 81, to answer charges of his being out of harmony with the Articles of Faith, Articles 1, 2, and all and all, a trial was held to hear these charges. Mr. Terry Horn said that he could not embrace and remain in harmony with the above Articles of Faith and he was thus removed from the official membership of the role of the church. And I said, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm free. I'm no more bound by the law of sin and death. He also produced a letter dated February the 14th, 81, asking that his name be removed from the membership role. Because I, he said, and he's quoting what I said, that I believed that I could not embrace the doctrine and be in continuity completely with this, with this church manual, which doesn't follow the two articles, didn't follow the, the scripture. Terry, this is with much sorrow. And we, this is with much sorrow. And we regret that we have been forced to take this action. However, if we can be of any help to you at any time, please let us know. And I sincerely know he meant that. Because, the reason I know he sincerely meant that, because right after that, we found a little message here, just, you know, it, it was in the Joseph and all these different things, but at least it was someplace to go. Our first one, I mean, it was out of, it was out of denomination. We had somewhere to go that would talk about the prophet, the message, and I mean, it was just, it was heaven to us. So we were going there part of the time, and we were going back to the Pentecostal Holiness Church part time. So I get a, one more letter. And he says, since you are already worshiping with another group of people of like faith as yours, it might be to your advantage to support that work fully. I said, praise God. They finally released me. I can go. Not that they had to release me, but I went anyway. Now, one more quote here, and then I'm going to ask you a question, and then we're going to close. Brother Brown says here in the Ephesian church age, but as usual, people don't heed God's warning. The, and this is, this is really, really where the, the denominational spirit starts from. <clears throat> they, the revival fire is built upon sacred word. Is, the revival fire built upon the sacred word is so wonderful. And the manifestation of the spirit is so blessed that a little fear creeps in and a whisper in the heart says, how can we protect this truth? How can we protect this truth that we have? What can we do to see that this revival goes on? Please, read between the lines. Bring it up to date today, right now. I'm going to close with this. How can we protect this truth that we have? What can we do to see the revival go on? That's when the Antichrist spirit comes in and whispers, Look, you have the truth now. See that it doesn't get lost. 
organize and set up your creed or what you believe. Put it all in a church manual. And they do it. They organize. They add to the word. And they die. Just like Eve did for taking one word wrong word. It's God's word. It's God's word that brings life. And it's not what we say about the word that counts. But it's what God says about the word. Brother, sister, I want to ask you a question. Well, let me go ahead and read this. Why in Beaumont, Texas? Brother Ben said, I do not agree with organization because that the organization, now listen close. The organization would say, we believe this. If the organization would say, we believe this with a comma, all all right. But if we believe this, period, that's all wrong. See, if you end your doctrine with a comma, we believe this plus, plus as much as God wants to add to it. But when you say we believe this, period, that's all. That's when you shut God. That's when you shut God right out of it. See, and that's the way organizations do. They end it with a period. Okay, where we are today? Closing. I want to ask you a question. The pillar of fire keeps moving on. Keeps moving on. The word of God keeps unfolding. Luther had a little bit, the Reformation, West a little more, Pentecost a little more, then the full restoration of the Word. We haven't had the rapture yet. Does it stop? Does it stop? All right, be careful now. Does it stop? We've got the full revealed Word, okay? If I ask you a question, I've got this one book, Church Manual, Pentecost Holmes Church Manual. If this is all I have for salvation, rapture, get me out of here, et cetera, et cetera, is this enough? No. Obviously not. Not a trick question. Is this enough? <laughs> no. Well, let me take a little farther. Let's just say I have one spoken word book. Absolutely the truth. Is this enough? It's truth. It's not enough. What if I have two spoken word books? That's all I have, just two. Is that enough? It's good. Nothing wrong with it. But it's enough. Well, what if I have 1,205 sermons? Is that enough? Where is the denominational spirit? We believe this, period. We don't need any more. We have every tape. We have every book. We have everything we need. We don't need nothing else. Now, Brother Ben said the rapture is a revelation. The bride will be waiting for that revelation. Show me in any of Brother Ben's books where that is specifically printed out. I mean, I know he said the words, but the, what is the revelation of the rapture? The bride will be waiting for that revelation. Where is it? I, I like to read it because I like to leave tomorrow. Yeah. You know, somebody show me where that revelation is. I'd I really like to have it right now. We know the rapture is a revelation. The bride will be waiting for that revelation. But where is the revelation? It's saved for a specific time, a specific season, be given by God, the Holy Ghost, at the time appointed. And the bride will be waiting for that revelation. What about the third pull, the spoken word and so forth like that? Brother Man said that, that angel talking about that, the, I'll meet you in that, that little room. I'll meet you in there. He said, and nobody won't know nothing about it. He said that, that, 
the revelation of that third pull, he said, I'll take that to my grave. He knew what it was, but he said, I can't utter it. He said, the third pull won't be a public service. He said, nobody will know nothing about it. So how are we going to know about the third pull, about the revelation? And that's just a couple of them I was saying about. And on and on and on and on it goes. How are we going to know? It's got to come by revelation. It's in the word. He said, rapture of faith lays in the message. But where is it? I mean, I want to know where it's at. I want to read it tonight. It's in there, but it's not, it's in there, but it's not been revealed yet. But in the specific time, the specified time, it will be revealed. But what if everybody says, well, all we need is listen to the tapes? And I'm not getting on tape churches. That, that, that's nothing to me. But if that's all we need and all they ever listen to a tape, listen to a tape, listen to it. And you should, brothers, if you're not listening to tape, shame on you. But in the appointed time at the right time, that's, why do you think we, why do you think God said we're going to have the five-fold ministry on down to the end, on down to the end, on down to the end? It ain't because they bring us anything new. It's because the protocol is God gives a revelation to the messenger. He, he gives that to the fivefold ministry. That gives that to the bride. I can't, I'm not saying you can't get a revelation all the tape. You can get a revelation all the tape. But if you believe that, if you believe that in that denominational spirit, God won't open these things up to you as we get down to the end and say, that's all I need. We have to be open. We have to be willing. We have to be able to move with the pillar of fire. We have to be go with the pillar of fire. We have to follow the angel of the covenant. We've got to follow that covenant angel. That's why he keeps leading. He keeps leading. If we put, if we put a period there, that's a denominational period. It'll die right there. And even though the prophet God said that this message will not denominate, the spirit is around this, this message of denomination, but it's trying to get on the people. You, we've got to move with the Holy Ghost as God places on the minister, a correct minister, through the prophet, through the message, through the Bible, down through the bride. Amen. Brother Ram said, listen, musicians, come on, I'm closing. Brother Ram said this, okay, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He said, here's the proper way he does it. Jesus breaks the bread, gives it to the disciples, the disciples give it to the people. Right. That's what he said. Jesus breaks the bread. The prophet broke the bread. Give it to the ministers. They give it to the people. I'm not saying you can't get a revelation off the tapes. You can get a revelation off the tapes. But when you believe, when the people don't believe, when they disbelieve that you need a fivefold ministry, then God won't show you those revelations because they're 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 disbelieving the covenant. You see what I'm trying to say tonight? We've got to follow the covenant angel. The pillar of fire, the Holy Spirit move. It's got to be like, let's stand. God bless you. Hallelujah. We made it through, Brother Harry. Brother Harry, find us something to sing. I got to have, I got to get me, forgive me, I don't want to say it wrong. I got to have a little something to drink. You love him tonight with all your heart. Appreciate this message. Appreciate having a church to go to. One day the church doors will be closed. When? I don't know. I hope it don't happen. But what if it does? What you going to do then? You've got to be led. It's got to be a personal revelation between you and God. As I said last time I preached, if we close the doors, you don't hear, hear from anybody for two or three months. They cut your cell phone service off. You ain't talked to nobody for two or three months. The devil comes to you and says, you miss the rapture. 
You ain't heard from nobody in two or three months. The devil says, you miss a rapture. You're still here. What are you going to do then? You're going to believe or you're going to doubt? I said, well, I ain't heard from nobody. Maybe the rapture's gone. You and God. It's got to be you and God. It's got to be a personal revelation. You and God right down, and it's going to get worse. Didn't we just read you the quote that Brother Man said? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be rejected, completely rejected down at the finalization of this all things. Amen. Let's sing. Brother Harry, sing us something tonight. I need more of him. Let's just worship just a little bit. We'll pray and let you go in just a couple of minutes. I need more of you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Anybody like prayer, we'd be glad to pray for you. How great is our God. We thank you for Jesus. We love you, Lord, tonight with all of our heart. All those wasted hours and minutes And yours now From the start to the finish I need more of you In me I need more God bless you. God bless you. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we're the most fortunate people on earth as far as I know, Lord, to be under this truth. Any true believer, Lord, who's under the continuing unfolding revelation of your word, Lord, must be just so blessed by it, Lord. Everywhere, no matter where it, must, it is, Lord, no matter what corner of the earth it is, Lord, you, you Father, you poured everything into Jesus and then Jesus poured everything into us, Lord. And we see, you know, Jesus being the God man, and now we see us being the God bride. Lord, the, the revelation is just getting so, so much further and further along down the road. We're getting to the point where you're so fully revealed, Lord. You've stepped out of the shadows. You've stepped out from behind the curtain, behind the veil, and you've revealed yourself to us to such an extent, Lord, that we're looking every minute for the rapture. We're waiting, Lord, with just bated breath for you to return, to show yourself to us, to reveal yourself, and to just take us home. Lord, we're looking. We're calling for it. We're calling for it with all of our heart. 
We've got nothing invested in this world that we're not willing to give up, Lord. We want to come home. We want to come be with you. Lord, the, the word that you're bringing across this pulpit, it just makes us so homesick. We're just so in such anticipation, Lord, of what you're going to bring next. Father, I ask you to bless Brother Terry. Lord, give him a good rest tonight, Lord. Lord, as the word comes forth tomorrow, we want to come in here ready. Lord, help us to be prayed up. Help us to be prepared. Lord, to watch for you, to listen for you. To, Lord, it's you that we're looking for. It's you that we want to please. It's you that we want to worship. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing for us. Lord, I ask that you take all the saints home safe tonight so that we can come together again tomorrow and just give you everything that you deserve, Lord, and that we can just fellowship with you in perfect love and harmony, for, Lord, of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for not putting a period here in this place. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Lord, it's such an honor to be associated with such saints of God, Lord. So many things that, that seem like sacrifices to us. Just, Lord, it's nothing, though, when we come here and we're all together and our licks of fire are all in one place and we're, we're in one spirit and one accord loving you and worshiping you, Lord. There's nothing more precious than this. Thank you for it, Lord. We're just so blessed. Thank you. Again, Lord, we, we just want... I want you to take us home safe and be with each one of us, Lord. Just reveal yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Saints, you're dismissed in the name and the fear of the Lord. Amen. Let's sing this as we go tonight. Oh, I'm so glad he found me. In love he bound me. Put his arms around me. Dearest friend I am.